You know, Job was a man who lost everything practically in one day, but he had questions, but his questions did not require answers. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. Have you ever known someone who doesn't require answers? but they're asking questions. Well, this is what we studied today in Job chapter 18. It is a good one. We're gonna do that in about 18 minutes, or in about five minutes chapter 18. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? Well, I also have questions today, but luckily these ones have answers. I'm questioning ancient farming practices. Ryan? Today, my segment is all about Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, the so-called friends of Job. So-called is very good. They're coming up in about 20 minutes' time. Janice in 25. Right. Well, it is Friday, so it is our question day. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from Esther all the way through to Job 19. I hope you're ready. Job 18, 1 through 11. Then Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, How long till you put an end to words? Gain understanding and afterward we will speak. Why are we counted as beasts and regarded as stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself in anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you? Or shall the rock be removed from its place? The light of the wicked indeed goes out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp beside him is put out. The steps of his strength are shortened, and his own counsel casts him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walks into a snare. The net takes him by the heel, and a snare lays hold of him. A noose is hidden for him on the ground, and a trap for him in the road. Terrors frighten him on every side, and drive him to his feet. Job chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. Job chapter 16, 17, 18, and 19, that's what we study today when we look at this. It's a fascinating look at uh, what happens when things go wrong. And when someone we know is in deep trouble and they share their pain with us, do we have to speak back to them? I mean, ask yourself that question. Do we have to give the reasons why they are suffering? When the friends of Job first came, they sat with him for a full week before they said a word. Job chapter 2, verse 13. Were they just biding their time or biting their tongues? Either way, their curiosity for why Job was suffering must have been eating away at them. They were so troubled by the horror that they found Job in that they inevitably felt that they had to speak to his situation. They needed to keep him from talking and complaining. But is that really what Job wanted them to do? Now think about that. Job did not call his friends to come. They came on their own. You know, too often we speak when we should be better just to do what the Bible says. The Bible speaks to the followers of Christ and says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's Romans 12, 15. 
we would do well to listen to the instructions we are given in the Bible, to listen and pray silently when time comes. Because you know what? Silence speaks volumes. It actually does. And we need to understand that God helps us do the right things and be the right attitudes with people who are suffering. And that's really, really important. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have a Bible guide? If you do, turn to today's reading. It's really a good one today. And I would say that if you don't have a Bible guide that you can call us or write to us and we'll be happy to send you a sample. Another way you can get a sample and join us for the wrong words today your seconds away, is you can go to Bible Discovery TV. And when you go to Bible Discovery TV, let me explain, it takes you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. They're very important, especially right now, especially at this time. So thank you. And Father, I pray for those that they would understand that when they give to a ministry like this, which is a ministry of yours, that you make them a priority and you provide for them. Thank you, Jesus. And then it takes you to a place where you can download as we have printed this. Now, this is very important. All right. So with that in mind, let's pray and ask God to show, help us to show and see the, the wrong words and the right words. Father, help us today. Sometimes we don't need to say anything. When somebody's going through a difficult time, sometimes we just need to be there. And I pray, Lord, today that you would help us to understand what you're saying to us. Teach us your way and show us your paths in this time of great pain, in this time of great problems in the world. Help us to listen and help us to pray and help us to do things that help people. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we ask, Lord. And we said together, amen. Let's look at this because this is really something. Job chapter 18 is a fascinating read. It says this, then Bildad, this is Bildad, he's the Shuhite, answered and said, how long till you put an end to words? Gain understanding, and afterwards we will speak. Why are we counted as beast and regarded as stupid in your sight? <laughs> you who tear yourself in anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you? Or shall the rock be removed from its place? Oh my goodness, that's important. Job's complaints did not need an answer. Beloved, we would do well not to give an answer when we do not know. You know, there are things that we're presented to, you know, somebody presents something to us. We don't have to have the answer. Now, I know that's hard because with me, I'm a person. I'm like, well, let's find an answer for that. And let's answer that question because that's me. But there are times when you don't need to answer the people. You just need to suffer with them because as People who follow Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ understood suffering. I mean, how many times did we see him and he had, the Bible says he had compassion on the people. He understood their pain. He felt their suffering. That's so important. We need to remember that because those are times that we need to also be with the people and not try to answer all these questions that they're not asking. Very important. Job chapter 18, verse 5. Here's what it says. The light of the wicked indeed goes out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark and his tent, and his lamp beside him is put out. The steps of his strength are shortened, 
and his own counsel cast him down. Fascinating. Bildad states the obvious. In times of suffering, we must think of one's suffering or one suffering not presenting our best displays of wisdom. I mean, think about this. Was Bildad really thinking about Job? Or was he thinking about himself answering the tough and hard questions? See, beloved, we need to understand when someone's suffering in front of us, it's not about us looking good to them. It's about understanding what they're going through and helping them to go through it. Because Lord tells us that there are many times people go through trials. And by the way, trials are not necessarily bad for us. They work our faith and make us stronger because God has given us the strength above everything that's happened to us. He's given us the strength to overcome everything. And we need to understand that. So, you know, overcoming is not ever having problems, but overcoming is being able to deal with the problems we have. That is such an important point to remember. All right, let's go on to chapter 18, verses 8 through 11. It says, for he has, or he has cast his net or cast a net by his own feet and he walks into a snare. The net takes him by the heel and a snare lays hold of him. A noose is hidden for him on the ground and a trap for him in the road. Terrors frighten him on every side and they will drive him to his feet. Now that's really interesting. You see, Bildad blames Job for the suffering he is enduring. He blames Job for the suffering he is enduring. But Job was experiencing the limited thrash of Satan, not the eternal hand of God. How many times have I blamed God for the suffering I'm going through? Beloved, we were born in a world that is full of sin. We were all born in this place where things are not right. Things are not perfect. And we say that all the time. To be human is not to be perfect and all that. But God was perfect. Jesus Christ was perfect in his attitudes towards us, in his spiritual approach towards us. What did we do? We crucified him. But you know what? Jesus was perfect because he came through the persecution and he came alive in the flesh. Very important for us to understand that. God takes us through things. He makes us stronger. He makes us overcome things so that we can defeat it, beloved. That is very important for us to remember. So if you're going through a difficult time, I pray for you. Father, I pray for everybody who's going through a hard time. Help them to overcome it in the name of Jesus. And we all said together, amen. A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. All right, well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today we're reading Job 16 to 19. And on yesterday's program, we examined the life of righteous Job. 
So today, in contrast, we take a look at Job's so-called friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Check it out. When the shocking news reaches them that their friend Job, a man once extraordinarily blessed of God, has now lost everything, they make an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, each comes from his own land. But when they arrive, they do not recognize Job. So they sit in silence and mourn with him an entire week, which was the only wise thing they did. Indeed, Eliphaz is the first to speak. He hailed from the land of Teman, which was probably located in Jordan. Though it was a region famed for wisdom, Eliphaz was certainly not wise. He accuses Job of being sinful, because in my experience, he says, only those who sow evil reap it back. Next to speak is Bildad, who also believes there must be sin in Job's life. Regarding Job's children, he claims, if your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgression. Perhaps this hurt Job most, since Job chapter 1 verses 4 to 5 indicates that he was in fact concerned for his children. As one Bible commentator observes, it appears Job's children were partiers, the rich kids who know how to have a good time, always including their fun-loving sisters. Job is concerned about their behavior, fearing that amid their good times, they might be blaspheming God. So after every party, he arises in the morning and prepares a sacrifice of atonement for each child. This, he hopes, will cover the transgressions they may have committed the previous night. Last to speak is Zophar, who like Eliphaz and Bildad is more of an accuser than a comforter. In fact, Zophar was perhaps the most insensitive of all. Is a person proved innocent just by talking a lot, Zophar demanded? Listen, God is doubtless punishing you far less than you deserve. Fortunately, Job was wiser than them all. I have heard many such things, he replies. Miserable comforters are you all. Shall words of wind have an end? Author Barbara Brown Taylor echoes Job's sentiments. In their ministerial anxiety, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar are like flies buzzing around him on his dung heap. If they would just shut up, they are in his way. They are in God's way. They are trying to insert themselves between the silence of God and the one for whom the silence is intended. Indeed, in the end, God restores righteous Job, but rebukes the three men for misrepresenting him with all of their opinionated blather and phony righteousness. In an ironic twist, these men came to save Job, but it would be Job that would save them. For their sins, God commands the three men to make sacrifice unto him and to have Job pray for them. For I will accept Job, God says, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So this whole episode with Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar is really unfortunate and embarrassing. In their spiritual pride and perhaps even overzealousness, they really took a bite out of Job. And this should really serve as a good reminder to us as believers, because remember that these guys were also believers. And it's like I heard someone say once, Christians are like sheep, but sometimes the sheep bite. Now, don't get me wrong, it's good to be zealous for the faith, but it is possible to be overzealous or over-religious and actually cause more harm than good. Now, I've unfortunately seen this a lot, and sometimes this sort of extreme behavior can even cause someone young in the faith or someone who's considering Christ to turn away. So we need to be very careful or we, like Job's friends, will be the ones answering to God. I, I have seen 
the examples of Job's friends. I have been them. Yes. And I have seen them. Me too. And uh, boy, that's a really good point. Mm. Very Sometimes good. Sometimes I like a mute button. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Wish or I could. others and myself. Yep. Mute Think myself, so. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. Anyway, uh, right for this, this is the return. We did some five sermons in the studio here for you on Christ and the return. We also did one on God's word and one on the arrival and one on the love of God. It's very, very good. And it's all part of our series to deal with some of the things happening in the world today. Plus, we also have audio sermons that I did back in the church that are there for you to consider as well. $30 or more, that's uh, what you can do. You can get it online at BibleDiscoveryTV.com or you can call us or write to us. Thank you so much. Corey. All right. Well, by this point, we are well into the book of Job. So I want to take a little bit of a step back from dealing with the scripture of Job and take more of a broad look at the scripture. And when we do that, we see that one element of life that the Bible often goes to, to convey, it uses it as a symbol to convey spiritual truth to us, as well as there's also just practical examples, physical examples, is that of farming, of sowing, of reaping, uh, um, uh, all of these things. So today, you and I are going to be taking a look at ancient farming practices, specifically a technological invention that helped the sowing and plowing process. Take a look. Due to its integral value in ancient society, quite a bit is known about the ancient methods of farming. In biblical Israel, the act of sowing fields with seed occupied four months of the year, and it began immediately following the first rain of the season. The timing of this rain was considered essential to the livelihood of the people, which is reflected in the fact that God includes a reliable first rain in his list of how he will bless an obedient Israel, but an unreliable first rain in the case of their disobedience. This first rain served to soften the ground so that it could be plowed for sowing. If the rain was early, farmers risked their seeds drying out and dying before more regular rain would fall. If the first rain was too late into the season, the crops risked not having enough time to take root before the full heat of the summer, which could mean scorching and crop loss. In Israel, plowing seems to have been done exclusively for the purpose of sowing seed. The fields would be plowed, seed would be scattered over the field, and then the field would be plowed again in the opposite direction to cover the seed. An alternate method to replowing the field was to allow cattle or herd animals to walk on the field. Ancient plows were not much different from modern wooden plows. Their tips for digging into the earth were made of metal, generally bronze or iron, while the rest of the plow was wooden. There was a handle or two for the farmer to raise or lower the point into the ground, and the plow was attached to either a single animal or a team of animals via a wooden yoke on the animal's shoulders. Oxen were the most common animals used for plowing, but donkeys and young cows are also known to have been used. To help direct the animals, a goad would be used. A goad was a wooden stick with a sharp metal point to direct the animals with on one end, and the other end could have a small metal shovel on it to loosen mud that would get stuck on the plow tip. In hilly or mountainous areas where plows could not be used, farmers would have to plow by hand using hoes. 
Experiencing the hard labor of double plowing, some ancient farmers developed an innovative plow that reduced their time investment in the field. It was called the seed drill. The seed drill was made from wood and leather and was attached to the plow. It was essentially a funnel with an attached pipe leading down to just behind the plow tip. Seeds would be dropped into the funnel, would travel down the pipe to the ground behind the plow tip where they would be covered by the falling soil created by the plow. This meant that the farmer needed to plow only once and their seed would all be covered immediately and be safe from hungry birds. While it's possible that one farmer with well-trained plow animals could operate a seed drill by themselves, from existing artistic representation, it seems that this was often done with two or three people. There we go. It's always interesting to me to delve into some of these cultural practices, especially today we're so far removed uh, from the ancient world, but often also in the Western world, at least separated from uh, just basic survival practices that we used to all be aware of. So while we can grasp some of the, the, the broader concepts, it's always good to look a little bit more closely so we get some of those nuanced details that the Bible's trying to convey to us. One of the things that's interesting is that today, our survival concepts are based on what people do to us. So in cities, you have crime increases, Mm -hmm. violent crime being perpetrated on each other. You've got to learn how to survive that and stay Mm -hmm. away from those situations. In ancient times, it was more lions roaming roaming in the wilderness or something getting you that way. Mm -hmm. Or famine or dread, locusts. Exactly, now there are, exactly. There are places in Africa where the famine is continuing and we pray Mm -hmm. for them. And there are places in the world where floods have come and earthquakes have come and it's horrible. And we pray for them and God helps us and we do that on the prayer meetings. But it's fascinating to understand that these days in this time, we have to be careful because we have to be careful how we handle each other. And I think that's where we're studying Job is very good for us. So it's not the time to become jumping on the bandwagon and telling everybody what's wrong and this and that Mm. and the other, which frankly, pardon me, but media does that. And uh, we're coming to you in media telling you that we don't need to be casting other people out. We just need to be listening to the word of God. (laughs) That's very, very important. Nature does that, right? We're just using the tools that we have to, to amplify our own pride, to amplify our voices. And it's dangerous. It's not good. I mean, we, we see that throughout the book of Job, don't we? This constant humbling process of Job's friends, but ultimately of Job himself too. I think it's, and that's really important today because as we confront these issues and come upon them, we just need to pray and ask the Lord to help us Mm -hmm. because Lord Jesus, we need your help. Uh, Bottom line, you know, and that's the problem when we begin to think that we are gods and we can do all this because of Mm -hmm. technology and we've got AIs now that can, you know, do everything. And no, they, they can't. And no, we can't because we are sinners saved by the grace and faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that the Lord is not an AI, but the Lord is the divine intelligence. And that becomes very, very important to remember that. And we need to go to him and say, Lord, I want to follow you. That's very important. Very good. Excellent work. Very good. Jen. 
I was hearing yesterday. You、mm-hmm. and Matlock were here taping the weekend edition. I We were just in case there's a new viewer out there. Maybe you can just fill them in quickly. Yeah. So my husband Matlock and I do Bible Discoveries, the weekend show, where we discuss questions that pop up as we're reading through the Bible, and we also take viewer questions as well.、Uh, and so this is a you. This is primarily on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and you just search my name, Corey Babetchko, you can watch the weekend show. You can also watch a 10 minute recap. That I put together、uh, every week,、uh, and that really is what it sounds like. I just recap the reading, the weekly reading for you, so that if you've fallen behind, you can get caught back up. I definitely have heard from some people too that they like to test their memory, <laughs> which I can get on board with. I think that's a pretty good way to use the ten-minute recap. Do you remember everything that you read from this this week? So, yeah, if you'd like to hop on over there,、uh, you can also reach us over there you, in the comment section. Matlock and I monitor that and.、Uh, We like to comment back.、So、Memory is a great way to test. <laughs> Memory is a part of scripture learning. So there you go, Jan. Question. Always learning. All right. And speaking of that, okay. Question is a little bit longer. When、okay. Job's three friends heard about all that had happened to Job, the Bible says that they each came from his own place to mourn with Job and to comfort him. Their names were Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Was Eliphaz A Naamathite was Eliphaz a Shuhite, or was Eliphaz a Temanite? Where was he from? All right. So that easy question. <laughs> maybe I was a little、maybe. bit worried, to be honest. And then I thought in my head, I I, I completed his name. You know,、mm-hmm. when you say their、yep. name, Eliphaz the. I completed <laughs>、yeah. it in my head, and、That's、I、right. waited for you to say it. And then when you said it, I think it's right. And then Ryan had the same reaction. Yep. So I think we're good. All right. Yeah. It's like their last name. That's right. No. It is. It's like their last name. So, so go ahead. What do you Does、think? it sound right?、Mm-hmm. The Temanite. All right. Well, if you answered that at home, let's see here. We're going to turn to because I've got 31 seconds. We're going to turn to Job chapter two, eleven, and it, it's mentioned a lot actually in the book of Job. But now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite. Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. So, if you said Eliphaz was a Temanite, he was from Teman. You are right. Good job. Remember that BD Family and Friends is a Roku application that you can, if you've got the Roku box, you can buy it at Walmart.、Uh, that you can get a hold of our channel and you can get a hold of our programs and watch it whenever you want. BD Family and Friends. BD Family and Friends. All right. Today we need to pray. Lord, please give me the strength. Please give me the strength and the grace I need. And Lord, help me through these difficult times. Right now, today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.